BWI Daily Edition back again today with Nate Bauer. We're continuing our series on Confidence Factor. We've given you all of the, info, the information, the analysis, the breakdown of training camp. We're rolling it all into one number and giving you that number. I came out with my confidence factor for each position group yesterday. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr, the BWI Daily Edition. Senior Editor Nate Bauer back with me, one of our insiders. Nate, how you doing today? You feeling confident? I'm, um, uh, boy, there's, <laughs> there's, two, there's two questions there and there's two answers. Um, yeah, good and sure. Why not? <laughs> well, that is perfect. That's what I like to hear because we're talking about how confident we are in the Penn State football team with individual positions. And again, if you want to check out the BWI Daily Edition, wherever you get your podcasts, you can hear yesterday's version. Um, I did, if you listen to that, I did do the the cardinal sin is you, you, you promise something and then you don't deliver on it. We we're going to have a big mega show with all of our football insiders today and giving everyone's confidence factor. But Greg Pickle got hung up with a couple other assignments today. So it's just me and Nate. Uh, and we're going to go through. I know. I know. And Greg. that's not. That's not to undersell you. That's just that's 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 what uh, that's what you don't do, guys. But anyway, I think we still got a great show coming up today with uh, Nate. So let's get right into it, and we'll start with the place we started yesterday: the confidence factor in the quarterback position with Sean Clifford and the quarterback room. Nate, how confident are you in that position? We talked about this. This, this isn't going to be a two-hour show. So I don't know how we can even possibly include the quarterback position in this discussion uh, and keep it under that. Now, I, so my number, I'm looking at your number. You have 63. I have 74. And 74 suggests, based on your grading scale that you laid out yesterday, uh, that suggests a pretty good performance, right? Like this isn't A, B, C, D, right? Like 60 and below, you're failing. This is 80 is all big 10 right yes, like you, for sure right? all big 10 performance anything okay. above that you're getting national all-american consideration yeah yeah so so i do not think that sean clifford is an all-american and i don't think he will play quite well enough to go all big 10 but i think he'll be just shy of it i don't like i don't think that he will be at the bottom of the big 10 and the reason for that is fairly simple I, i'm not this isn't any like grand insight here, but I just think the pieces around him will be that much better, that much more consistent. Uh, you know, has the has the talent shifted so markedly that right, like that it it lifts it. Like, is there a Saquon Barkley on the team now that there wasn't last year? No, I don't think so. Uh, is Noah Kane's return that important? Honestly, probably not. Like the, right. the the talent in the running back room is is that is good enough. But uh, a year of seasoning for the offensive line should uh, largely, which is back, should do wonders for Sean Clifford. If you look at how many problems he had last year based on pressure in the pocket, right, uh, yep. which was significant, that was a huge problem. His problem being on the same page as his receivers last year, who he had really virtually no experience with um, going into the season, right? I mean, even even Jahan Dotson was something of an unknown. Right. All of all of those different elements uh, are just in a much better place for Penn State this season, and so naturally, I, I think it's fair to expect him to 
at least return to 2019 levels, which were not off the charts great, but they were good enough. Right. <laughs> right. Like They were good like they enough were good to be a, a winning football team that was in every game that he played in. Right. Correct. Correct. Right. And so, and, 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 you know, and then and there's some debate to be had about, uh, you know, certainly his performance at Minnesota, of which I think that the numbers outside of the interception, right? Like, it, right. It, <laughs> and there's no world where that doesn't matter. Right. Like you can't like even me, the words coming out of my mouth, I'm like, oh, I shouldn't be saying this. <laughs> if you look at the numbers without the interceptions. Yeah. Right. The interceptions are the numbers. Right. But the, but <laughs> but to your point, and, and this is, I think, an important thing, because we are going back to 2019 for this analysis, because last year was such an aberration that to find stable things to look at Sean Clifford with, you really have to go to what was a stable environment. And in that game, if you want to talk about the numbers and some of the deeper analysis, PFF put half of those interceptions on the receivers. Like, they, they those were not all his fault. That was actually Correct. one of his highest graded, I believe it was his highest graded game of the season against yep. Minnesota. And that was right before he got an injury. And then the rest of the season played out the way it did. So even in 2019, there's a bit of a muddled picture. I went with that, you know, in the 60s as an idea of he's going to be a part of this offense and the offense as a whole is good. What you're saying is he, in my opinion, what you're saying is that he's going to be better than 2019. Do you yes. believe that's the case? Yes. No, I do. Mm -hmm. I do. Okay. I, I mean, look, like experience often brings success or consistency, right? Like more than right. anything, it, it's just the older that these guys get, like, it's just, <laughs> it's such a difference between 18 years old and in his case, 23. Yeah. Right. Like, I, I mean, and, and I'm not, obviously it wasn't 23 uh, or it wasn't 18 uh, a couple of years ago, but it's just, it's just a big difference to have that time. And, and he's been through all of this. He, he's done it. He, he has been through it. It's not to say that he won't still have some of the issues with, you know, being too amped up at the beginning of the game or rattled or, or what have you. I mean, I think that all of those uh, elements are things that I'm going to be watching. I'm sure everybody else is going to be watching because we have preconceptions about Sean Clifford now. Right. We are going into this season with things that we think might happen with him, and you're just not sure. It could be all over the map. You're just not sure exactly how he's going to look. But history suggests that he has an opportunity, given the improvements around him, to be the guy who overwhelmingly is managing the game for you. Right. And I, I mean, I, again, I'm using a cliche because, like, I hate that just managing a game. He makes plays too, but there's a huge, massive difference between him feeling like he has to make a play every play for them to have success offensively versus letting just about everyone else do just about all of the heavy lifting and then picking and choosing your spots right, right. and and making the plays when when those are a necessity and i mean i you know look, uh, i'm not going to i'm not going to uh you know raise the ghost of trace mcsorley here but trace mcsorley's best performances were like that yeah <laughs> right when when the other sure. when, and that's and that's the deal is is if he's put in a position and uh, in, in, in an environment where that success can happen uh, outside of his own doing, um, 
I, I think that he's capable of that. And, and I think that he's shown that. I mean, I, I do think that that's, that's on film. You can see that he is capable of doing that. So speaking of those other guys on the field, let's go to the skill positions. We'll go through them one by one when it comes to running backs, tight ends, and receivers. We'll start in the backfield. You mentioned Noah Kane already. How confident are you in the running back room? Yeah, so you had you had an 88, which is definitely all Big Ten. I got 83, which also all Big Ten. Yeah. I think it's Noah Kane, but I think that if it's not, it might be somebody else. Yeah, <laughs> like, that, that was think... my reasoning, is that my confidence in this group is high because I think some somebody can get injured and they're still going to have an all Big Ten capable running back because they have such a deep group this year. Yeah, that's exactly. absolutely right. It, exactly, and I, and I mean, I, I hesitate to... I hesitate to go to like to stray from the reality here, right? Like if, if Noah Kane is the top running back, then Penn state's coaches have already seen that. Like, it's not like he's waltzing back into a job that he earned two years ago. And so they're just handing it back to him after missing a year, right? Like they're not going to, they're not going to do that. Uh, and he doesn't have that much. And, th and this is, partly why I have a lower score for this group is our recollection collectively of Noah Kane is from a game that happened 18 plus months ago in the cotton bowl, right? Right. Like that one off and, and at Iowa, uh, right. into that, right. Like so the, the so end of the pit game, these are all flashes and, and not necessarily a full, season of Noah Kane. Sure. He he has he has never been a feature back in Penn State's offense. That that is the reality for Noah Kane. And so uh what's the difference, right? Like how is it going to work if he's a guy who's getting 20, 22 carries a game? And I don't know that that's the case this year. Like I don't know that that's what's going to happen, but um I I do think that there is some projecting going on of yeah, well we think that we've seen this from Noah Kane before, but we haven't really seen it recently and, right. and through, through no fault of his own, but that that's just putting that out there is I, I think that I have a few more questions or a little more uncertainty uh, about, about what he's going to be in that realm. But to your point, yeah, if, if it's not him, if for whatever reason, it's not him, uh, pretty good options. <laughs> Yeah, pretty good options in the rest of that room. Yeah, and so w when you're, when you're the when the gap between the top and literally the the fourth fifth running back is not that big, uh, that bodes well for the positional success that you're about to have. Yeah, yeah. Do they have anyone that if so? I think you're a little less confident than I was in just the general production of the room. But one of the reasons I held short of giving them a higher grade than I did was I don't know there's a guy that can be and can produce at that level given the skill sets of the guys that we've talked about as the lead backs in this group. Do you see anybody that can get to that level um, or is that why you land where you do with that 80, was it 83 overall and your confidence grade? Is it, is, is it that, or is it simply your confidence in not knowing what Noah Kane is specifically? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's mostly Noah Kane in the sense that I think Noah Kane 
might be an All-American. Okay. Right? Like, I, I mean, he, he might be, but also he might not be. Right. <laughs> right? Like, I mean, uh, you know, I, I do think uh, I just I just have more questions about exactly who he is going to be. That doesn't mean that that Lee and Holmes, uh, John Lovett and Devin Ford, that one of those guys can't pop in and bolster the success of the room so much that, you know, you've got a one and a two who who do uh, create a ton of production. I, I think that that's possible. I think that that's very possible. It's just, I'm not exactly sure what the ceiling is for Noah. And I'm not sure what the floor is for Noah. Like, I don't, right. I don't know what that, I don't know what that looks like um, from him. I mean, I, I, I just feel a little less certain about what exactly Noah Kane's going to be this year because so much of the conversation about him is about potential. It's not about what he's actually done. It's about, yeah. oh, okay, well, this is, this is, these are the flashes of what he's done. I, I just haven't seen it uh, on a consistent basis. Speaking of that, I think you can say that about all of the running backs in the room, even John Lovett, who the reason he transferred is because he was not given that lead back opportunity at Baylor, how he ended up at Penn State. Uh, but what, one guy that I think we do absolutely know what he brings to the table that would be Jahan Dotson at the receiver position. But your grade, I think, is similar to mine. Is your thinking similar to mine when we get to the uh, receiver position? What's your confidence in this group and, and why? Yeah. No, I mean, so you have 78. I have 75. I, I'm So, <laughs> and, and I'll put it out there. Like, yeah, I looked at your grades first just to get a gauge of where you had them. And this was so, my idea, so I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no. I'm, well, I, I mean, the the only point is to uh, differentiate slightly, like to mm -hmm. to. So, if you are seventy eight confident, I'm seventy five. Like, I'm I'm almost there. I'm yeah. just not quite as confident based on what I know of your perception uh, is of of the receivers. Do I think that Jahan Dotson is really good? Yes, absolutely. He's proven it. It's done. Fine. Yeah. Um, great great piece to start with however i i just again uh parker washington is interesting to me because so much of his production last year came in two or three games right um yep right uh can he be a four or five catch a game kind of guy uh, I, I don't know. I, I think maybe, um, mm -hmm. somebody know, asked me a, a really interesting question. Uh, and I hadn't considered it before because the way that he was used last year, 98% of his snaps came in the slot, but new offensive coordinator. Can he, I know we talked about this last week. Can he play on the boundary? Can, can he be a guy that also, even if it's not full-time plays outside and kind of uh, molds into what you're talking about right now of a four to five catch a guy, depending on how you align him. They, I mean, they want these guys to be lined up or to be able to line up at every position in the receiving core. Right. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. that's the goal is, to move these guys around because I think that some of what they felt last year was that the um, the fact that they were stagnant, right? Like ninety eight percent. If you're a defensive coordinator, you know where that guy's going to be. Yep, all the time. Yep, and you knew where Jahan Dotson was going to be all the time, and so you that 
gives you the ability to defend differently than if they're moving around and shifting on the field. And so, I mean, I think that, and, and you've discussed this at length, like the pre-snap motion, the right, like Mike Yersich and the way that this offense runs, I think the intent is to have these guys moving spots and moving pre-snap and delivering the ball to a variety of, of players. I mean, I, I just don't, I don't think it's the first read and you go to it. Yeah. Um, right. Yeah. So, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, can, can Parker Washington, like you tell me, can, can Parker, <laughs> like, does he, does he have the size to be, to be able to do that? Or, or is the, he... the only thing that I don't know, and this is where it changed. One of the things that changed last season is early on, they were using him as a deep threat on play action passes. And that offense didn't work. So I, I think he's fast enough. He's definitely big enough. By the way, my my nickname for him, I've decided, is Small Quan because he has the biggest quads and calves I've seen on a small guy since Saquon. Like, he's just a smaller version of what Saquon looked like from the hips down. Uh, so, yes, I think he's thick enough. I think he's strong enough to play on the outside. You don't have to be 6'2 to play on the outside. You just have to have the skills necessary to get open and contested catches and all those things. He has all the building blocks. The one thing I just don't know because I haven't seen his 40 time is how fa how exactly fast is he? Outside yeah. of that, yes, I think he can play and win on the outside. Uh, he doesn't have to be just a slot player. So, yeah, that's uh, my confidence in my number came from the fact that I'm very high on him and Jahan Dotson, but I have no confidence in anybody else. And and I'm yep. leaning on what you said of you lead with your top two and you're usually fine after that. Yeah, no, and I think I think that that's I think that that's true. And I think that we that's probably we're we're pretty close on this one. I mean, I, I maybe I'm a tick less confident in in Parker Washington. But yeah, if you if you need a solid two to start from, those are pretty solid. That's a pretty that's a pretty good place to start. But I do think that they need a third. I, I yes. Like I, I just just as a complimentary piece, uh, it, right? Like so much it, it's the way that James Franklin talks about explosive plays uh, and right like so so much of the game and outcome of the game can be dictated by home runs. Yes. Right. Like, yep. So much of, so much of it. And so it doesn't take a lot. You don't, you don't have to Cam Sullivan Brown, Keandre Lambert Smith, whoever it is, they don't have to necessarily have 50 catches to be a, a very, very productive receiver in, Penn State's offense and to help this team win they just need to be a threat and create enough respect right from defenses that it opens the door for for yes for themselves to beat out one or two catches and make those catches count but also to to continue to to at least command and demand the attention uh of defenses and so, you know, I, I, I do think that that's important. I think that them having some home runs, uh, some some big plays, some big scoring plays matters to this offense. But, you know, who knows? I, I have no idea. I don't think you have any idea. I don't. I don't know that they have any idea. <laughs> so <laughs> realistically, uh, I, this is this is a perfect segue to get into the next position because can some of that threat, whether from the interior 
from inline or even flexed out wide, can some of that threat come from the tight end position? So we'll move on to your confidence factor yep. in what the tight ends are. Where do you land on that scale? Yeah, I mean, I think I think very good. I think they're very good. Uh, I, I don't know that. It, and, and again, like this, this seems to be something of a of a a trend that you're seeing this season in particular is the development of the program. In that, the again the top and the bot like you have depth that is ready to play and the gap between the top and the bottom of the depth chart is not that big. <clears throat> and so, uh, is there a, um, Mike Gesicki in, in this tight end room? I don't, I don't think so. I don't yeah. think that they're that they, right. Is there a Pat Fryer move? I don't, right. I don't necessarily think so. Uh, but there might be some, third round NFL draft choices. Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, and, and, yeah. and maybe three of them, maybe three third round guys. So that right? really, like that's, that's, yeah, that's the thing is they're all unproven. And, and as much as I love Brenton strange, I, and, and this is, I, you know, the comparative thing is what I'm saying here, not necessarily the level of play, but he's got a George Kittle like ability where he's, he's a really great athlete. He's really quick. If he can learn to break tackles, he can be a threat underneath. But we've seen zero of that. Like, that's just yeah. his ability. That's my opinion of his physical ability. We have no idea where on that scale he's going to land. He could just be an undersized tight end that you always have the potential and you think is always there. But we, we don't really know. And that's why I came in a little bit lower than you is because as much as I love the physical potential of this group, I have I have less confidence in them than I do Parker Washington that I saw him do it last year. I saw the flashes of it at a more consistent level. But you think that one of these guys is going to play at a high level, whether it's one or multiple. And I guess that's the question. Is it one or is it multiple to you and, and why you got into the 80s with your confidence in this group? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that that it almost goes back to, to the running back saying, it. first of all, it's funny that you mentioned George Kittle because – uh, I did have an interview with Brenton Strange over the summer, and he loves George Kittle. I can, it's in his game. You can see it. Right. You can like, literally lo- see it. Yeah. Loves it. Wants to be that. Knows that that's his path to the NFL is being an, an excellent uh, do both right tight end. Yep. Um, so that's the first point. My 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 thrust would simply be that if it's not Brenton Strange. It's probably Theo Johnson. And yeah. if it's not Theo Johnson, then it's probably Tyler Warren. One <laughs> of those guys, one yeah. of those three is going to just naturally ascend into that role, right? Like, I, and and again, like, I, I'm not sure. I don't know uh, who, with Clifford who the, the security blanket is best with. I don't yeah. know who has the best, uh, you know, proclivity for – making tough catches because I, I do think that's a huge part of it is yes. you got to yep. make some you got you to make some tough catches you're, you're going to be uh, defended but you're going to have mismatches uh, just given that position and likely lining up against a uh, linebacker that's 
smaller than you, a safety that's smaller than you. Um, but but you got to catch the ball. And yep. so what, what does that look like when you don't have a 10 yard halo around you? Um, at, you know, as we saw at times in, you know, some of those spring games. So, yeah, that's it's it's going to be uh, it's going to be interesting to see who does that. But just given the buzz and the conversation that has happened really since the end of last season, there's a pretty good chance that 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 exists in the room. It's just figuring out who it is. Yeah, I, I, that's that's kind of where I landed as well. But just with with the youth and the unknown, I've seen it. I've yeah. seen it both ways. Right. You've seen it where the guy then takes that next step. And I've seen it where the guy doesn't take that next step. And last year, what we saw were flashes at the end of the season. They weren't necessarily genuinely great plays. It was, it, you know, if you look at the metrics of what they did, it was such a small sample size that it really, that's why I, I'm a little lower on that position. Uh, we are almost halfway through our uh, our confidence factor with Nate Bauer. We say we're going to go half an hour. We're 25 minutes in. We're doing a great job. We're, we're, we're getting there. But I do want to take a break quickly just to tell you about an awesome promotion because if you want to get more from Blue White Illustrated, if you want to get the inside scoop, the fall camp special, promo code BWI60. Not enough people are, are taking advantage of this because this is a great deal. Do it. Two months free. And right now, it is the 24th of August, you're going to be getting into September and deep into October if you use the uh, the promo code BWI60 to get two months free of Blue White Illustrated. Do it right now. Get yourself set up for the season. Uh, that's not just now. That's also hoop stuff. Yesterday, you and Dave Eckert broke down Penn State's biggest recruit of the year, the biggest recruit since Lamar Stevens and Tony Carr uh, committing to Penn State. So there's all kinds of great information. If you want more on that, you can check out our YouTube page, Blue White Illustrated on YouTube, and of course, bwi.rivals.com backslash subscribe. Nate, I know you want to give this to the people. This was obviously your idea with BWI 60. So, so thank you from the people. It was and and honestly, they should stop the podcast because I will literally still be here. Oh yeah. I'll still be here. Yeah. <laughs> still uh, talking, speaking still waiting of, for, for you to tell me to shut up. Uh, I, I, you know, we, we all have areas. Sean Clifford has areas in his game that he needs to improve. I need to be a better commander of the offense. That's on me. Uh, we're going to do that though. We're going to move on to uh, offensive tackle. And here, Nate, this is your, I believe this is your highest level of confidence in any position group on the field. Tell us why you're so high on the offensive tackle group. Rashid Walker is a first-round pick. What else do you want? I, I don't see how, I mean, if he's a first-round pick, and I think he is, um, then that puts him in that echelon of the not only the big 10's best but the country's best yeah and so yeah you know i mean he's he, obviously he has to do it but those are the expectations is that he has the tools to be able to do that um you know and again I, i'm so high on phil troutwine and yes. right like and and so bought into the notion that last year was an abomination for that group at the beginning of the season in particular, based on the challenges that they faced in the spring and the summer to not have that hands-on instruction. I, I mean, I just, I, I don't think it can be stated enough or overstated uh, just how detrimental that was to that group's development. Give them an entire 
season, an entire winter workout, an entire spring, and a summer of normalcy. And I think that Rashid Walker is going to be great. I think that that group is going to be much improved. I don't know that they're great. I don't know that they're going to be like the Big Ten's best offensive line, but right. I think they're going to be markedly improved from last season. Uh, and I think that the potential is there for, again, for a standout performance from Rasheed Walker and not that far behind from Caden Wallace. So I was going to say, that, talk to me about Caden yeah. Wallace, because to me, last season, I don't believe I have a good read on what Caden Wallace is because the offense was so fundamentally uh, basic last year when he was the starting right tackle. The end of last season, we didn't see him in what I think we're going to see this year from Mike Yersich, which is way more in space, way more pass sets. He was, I don't want to say he was intentionally protected. He wasn't the guy that they were protecting, but he was a part of that protection that was, that sure. they, was simplified. You, you're very confident in Rasheed Walker. Are you as confident in Caden Wallace? No. Okay. No, but, you know, we're doing some projecting here. I mean, right, that's, that's right. part of this is, uh, all right, well, here's here's what's being said behind the scenes. Here's what, here's what the natural trajectory is of these guys' careers. And, you know, I, I think that they believe that the ceiling is not, maybe not as high as Rasheed Walker's, but... I think that they think it's pretty good. I think that they think yeah. that there's a lot of potential there for Caden Wallace. And again, given that ability, that normal off season, uh, that, that instructional level, the developmental uh, element of his game to, to have provided that at this time in his career, I, I think should pay dividends that Penn state will find uh, to be very beneficial for him. Uh, this season, I, I really do. I mean, I think I think that that place of having two tackles that you have high confidence, if not extremely high confidence in, is a great place to start if you're Mike Yersich, really. Yeah, I, and I I even said yesterday, I think I'm I'm openly lower than I should be on the tackle position because I lockstep with you on what I think Rashid Walker can be, and I do think he's going to reach that this year. But I'm just kind of floating on the complete unknown of we saw flashes of it last year. Don't know that we're going to see it this year. We we expect to. And then with Cade Wallace, I'm, I'm just completely unknown as to what his high-end abilities are, even though, like you said, we've heard great things. James Franklin, Phil Trowan have talked in glowing terms about Caden Wallace. It's just to me like... After game one, I might have a way different opinion of what that is. I just I have no evidence to go off of. Put it put it this way. Do you think that after any game this season, you're going to and I think I might know the answer here, but do you think that you will be talking about Caden Wallace individually as a disaster, as I, a liability as a liability? Uh, for the offensive line. You know, the first time I watched Will Fries, I thought a relatively same thing that I do about Caden Wallace. So it's just, it's a sore spot for me that I thought Will Fries was going to be a great right tackle, and he became a good right tackle that was abused by elite pass rushers, and the Big Ten has elite pass rushers. So, sure. no, 
but I don't know if they're going to run it. You know, what's Aiden Hutchinson going to do to these guys? And that's that's kind of my thought is like you th- there's always a, a Bosa or there's always a Chase Young or there's always a Rashawn Gary out there. And do they compare to those guys? And that's really to me, that's the, I, I thought Will Fries was going to be that guy. He turns out he's he's a very good guard. But I thought he had the foot speed to be a tackle. Now, that's this is where Phil Trotwine comes in and his ability to get the most out of those guys and to make them uh, into that level of player to go along with their physical potential. And that is the interior of the offensive line. I think that's the biggest question on the offensive line. What is your confidence in that group? Yeah, less. <laughs> less than the tackles, for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, the fact that they still need to figure out uh, one of the guard spots, it, it seems like at this point, they still need to figure that out. Um, yeah, I mean, it, there there is definitely an element of who knows with the, uh, I did get a pr- pronunciation guide here. It's Anthony Wygan. It like, is. Why? Thank you. It, who knew? Who knew? <laughs> so Anthony Wygan, Des Holmes, um, and uh, Salim Wormley, right? Like, yep. so one of those three guys and I don't, I don't know. I really don't know what to anticipate. I know that Juice Scruggs comes in with a pretty high level of optimism uh, in terms of what he's capable of doing and the the play that he's going to be able to to produce for them. And then at center, you know, Mike Miranda. I think historically speaking, and this is really probably true throughout the offensive line, but you know, you get seniors in there at center or multi-year guys in there at center and they tend to do well they tend yeah. to they tend to serve as that steadying presence which you know i think is pretty important at that position so are they going to be bulletproof probably not um but should they be able to hold their own enough through the season yeah i think so and so 72 i got 72 you got 65 um you know i, I do think that 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 element of unknown of yes, the, the guard spot, but also how they'll play together is, is a part of that as well is right. Like this is, this is a shakeup. This is not the same interior offensive line right. as you had last year. Right. So, so what are they going to look like as a unit? I'm not exactly sure. And I think that if you ask Penn state, they might not be exactly sure given, given the fact that it's still not a, settled uh situation the best news is that at your center position mike miranda has more career snaps than anyone on the team other than rasheed walker so that's an important factor for for that position that you have at least that steady force on the interior that it it just that's that's the question is it is it are they going to be able to perform as a unit i know we broke them out individually but are they going to be able to perform as a unit i think overall you should be confident in this group So let's move on to the defensive side of the ball. We've uh, wrapped up the offense, and let's look at what Nate's confidence is in the defense and uh, the position outside of safety that I think there is the most intrigue at is where we're going to start because I like to start up front. The defensive end position. How confident are you in those defensive ends? That's a great question. I think Arnold Ebiketti is going to be pretty good. Yeah, I think he will make plays that at the end of the season, Penn State fans remember, uh, right? And that's yeah. that's a big part. Of, that's a big part of that position is not only 
sacks or forced fumbles, uh, hurries, what have you. It's the timing of them. And, you know, I think that that appears to be the type of player that he is capable of being and has been in the past, just at a different level. You know, it, you got to see how it translates to, to the Big Ten. But how I, big I of think a, that, that question, I don't mean to cut you off. That question yeah. to me is one that people keep saying to me. But he was so productive at that level, and and just based on his physical build, long arms, yeah. super quick, the way he moves, I don't have any questions about that. But should I have questions about that? Because literally everyone else, when you talk about him, that's the the second thing they bring up. The first is that he was I, I a transfer. Think, yeah, no, I, th- I mean, I think it's a pre- prerequisite to like acknowledge, you know, at least that he was a very good player at Temple. And that means one thing, right? Against the competition that you're playing there. It, it like, it's, it's just, it's something to note. Is it, sure. is it the be all end all? No, I don't think so. And I think that there are plenty of players who, uh, you know, probably develop at that level more and, and you see it all the time. I mean, the NFL draft does not care what program you play in or what, uh, you're ne- necessarily what level of competition you're playing against on a weekend, weekend, uh, week out basis. It's what have you shown on film, right? And right, and and so those guys get opportunities. Temple, it's not like Temple plays an exclusively, um, you know, uh, conference schedule. They get out of conference games, and he's done that in the past. So yeah, I mean, I th- I think that it it lends itself to the element of hey maybe there's less certainty, like a smidge less certainty about how it will translate to, to the Big Ten. But generally speaking, yeah, the the trajectory that this guy has shown and the potential that this guy has shown suggests that he's going to be pretty good at the, at this level. It's But for the rest of the position, now you're not sure. Yeah. Now, now, now you're not real sure, right? Like, yeah. What, what kind of a defensive end is Nick Tarburton? Because he, he has gotten plenty of buzz this off season for, 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 you know, within the program. And I think you, you've got to wonder about his health and how that's going to stay. Right. Uh, and fairly or unfairly, you know, some of these guys, it's not, it's not like it's their fault. They just, some guys have more of an issue than others. Um, yeah. you know, but, but yeah, that lends itself to some questions for him. And then behind those two guys, you're just not sure. Right. I, I don't know what Smith Filbert is. Yeah. I, I don't I, I think that we've seen flashes. We saw a little bit last year. I have no idea what Zariah Fisher is. I, I don't know what Jesse Lucetta is as a defensive end. You know, th- those are some significant questions for that group to answer. I, I think that that Penn State believes that there's potential within that group. It's just a matter of. Hey, uh, you know, potential doesn't always translate. Yep. Um, yep. And and that's something that you have to do. So I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think that you've been you've been fairly high on potential, haven't you? Sure. Yeah. And and but at this position, the one guy we've talked about that has that high end potential is Smith Vilbert. Everybody else to me doesn't have the sort of game changing abilities that you're you've become a you become accustomed to at the defensive right. end position and we haven't been hearing a lot 
about Smith Vilbert. He has been a guy we've heard about. He's been the third name mentioned, but it's not like yep. we've heard rave reviews of this guy that has been blowing up training camp. So to me, that's why I was so low on this group is that I, you know, they are going to be, I think, baseline defensive ends. My question is, are you going to be able to scheme for Ebikidi as the offense? And then is anyone else going to be able to step up and create pressure? Or is this going to be a year you have to manufacture it? And are they a part of the whole or are they going to be something that can stand out on their own? Um, you are a little more confident in that they're going to get acceptable play on the whole, it seems, from the defensive end position, not just as pass rushers, but as as a full unit, right? Yeah, I mean, I think, I, yes. I want to know and haven't seen what does Penn, what does Penn State look like as a defense when Jaquan Brisker is a free blitzer? What does mm-hmm. Penn State look like as a defense? I, I, I just, I don't know where that, pressure is going to necessarily come from if it right. doesn't come from the defensive ends right it right. is pj mustafer is pj mustafer gonna blow up you know the, the middle of the line to the point where he he's getting pressure in the backfield or is he just a run stuffer like right what, I, I, exa- right uh I, I don't know about that other tackle position like i i just i'm not sure exactly how that group is going to look i th- again I think they have potential. I think that people see uh, and have an optimism that they're going to be able to translate it to the field, but until they actually do it, you just don't know. Yeah. Let's let's talk about that defensive tackle position because obviously one bleeds right into the other with a couple of guys that have position versatility, but also they play right next to each other. They play off each other. So how confident are you in the defensive tackle position? Yeah, so I've got a 74, you've got a 72. We agree. <laughs> no, I, 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 I do think that PJ Mustafer moving the nose is going to help him. I, I think that that's what they feel like he was last year and the year before. He just didn't have the opportunity to do that based on Penn State's other personnel, right? right. So, so now that he's positionally where he's supposed to be. Uh, and able to do the things that he does the best and is most comfortable doing. Uh, yeah, it opens up that potential for him to be his at his best, but it also opens up that that three technique spot for Hakeem Beeman or uh, Derek Tangelo. You know, one of those two guys uh, are going to have an opportunity there to to make some plays, and that's a position that in the past Penn State has utilized right the Kevin Givens, right? Like that, right there, there are plays to be made out of that spot. Yep. Um, and so, uh, you, you know, if, if PJ is commanding the attention that you would think he would get, then there are going to be some, some opportunities there for, for those other guys. But like, like I said, I mean, it's, it's just about not necessarily the stars being stars, I'm using stars liberally here. Yeah. <laughs> PJ yeah. must have heard, right? Uh, <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> it, uh, Take a step back for a second. You're like, oh, nose tackle star. Right. Yeah. Uh, just, just household names. In right. When, all, when the only thing that you cover is Penn State football. Exactly. Right. Yep. Stars. Yeah. Uh, so, so it's not Evichetti and 
Mustafer, it's Beeman and Tarburton, right? Like, right. Can can the guys who you're not scheming against make you pay for that? Right. And yeah. I I don't know. Uh, I I think again, I think the potential is there. I I I think that you like the fact that your options are older at that at those positions those yeah the second end and the second tackle um you know but you gotta you gotta put it on the field so yeah and, we'll and high floor players i think is again what you've talked yeah. about before is consistency where at this defensive tackle position i think the reason we feel this way is because we we can expect what we're gonna get from even Tangelo as a fifth-year transfer and from Mustafer as a guy who's in his fourth year and is back at his natural position. Maybe not, as you referenced, you know, not actual stars, but guys that you can feel confident are rock-steady players. You know what you're going to get, and you're going to get dependable play from them. And that is really then the question is, what? Where is where's my favorite thing? Where's the upside? And do you have yeah. any of that? At the defensive end position, it's a total wild card. It's a little bit clearer as to who the guys might be at that defensive tackle position, and then it's just about can they do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I, I, it's, it's, uh, it's. There's no question that if you look across the field, the defensive line as a whole is probably, if not the biggest question, one of the bigger questions that yeah. that the the team has to answer going into the season. Speaking of guys that could actually be superstars, guys that could make big plays and get national recognition and be the difference makers that everyone sees on TV. Let's talk about the linebackers and your confidence that that's all going to work. Is it all going to work? How confident are you in that? Oh, I don't know. I've, uh, I got a, I, I have a 74 against your 68 so, so obviously that that's an I, I i went back and forth on this one i'll get to that in a minute that's what you're seeing isn't i i in the last video i updated that just so you know okay what was yeah. what was the prior number uh so that is that is the prior the one you're looking at on our, our document that's the prior number i i i'm banking on the talent here so i went with a 79 i think 78 Whoa. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's a little swing there. It's well, a big now, swing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I look. A again, Ellis Brooks uh, I would have some questions about. Right? Yeah. Uh I'm not I'm not sure. Brandon Smith, I think uh, again, the, I I give a, a lot of credence to the notion of one, the problems that Penn State's defense had last year as being a product of players being out of position. Yeah. I, I, I just, I think that was a big, big factor. And so part of my perspective about this season for the defense is shaped by the notion that they won't be in that same spot. They won't, they, right. they don't have to make those same adjustments. Brent Pry can play his best players at their best positions. Yep. Positionally based on, on the personnel that they have. Even going back so, to Mustafer, even going back to the guys that we thought were good football players playing out of position that played reasonably well, but guys right. that it's not even guys that play bad. It's guys that play to a good level. They're going to be in a better position this year. Correct. And so Brandon Smith with that move 
all right, now now he is able to do what he does best. Yeah. Um, right. Mike, I'm not sure. Um, you, you know, Jacobs, I'm not sure. I, I think again, like potential. Yeah. There, there's, there's a lot of stuff that we are, we are judging this based on their reputation for sure. What's yep. being said about them this off season. And to me, at least even having these conversations with these guys, through summer interviews and preseason interviews and so on and so forth, they're exhibiting and exuding a confidence that maybe you didn't see a year ago. Yeah. Yeah, Cause they have right. to practice. I don't want to keep going back to that, but you're going to be more confident if you've, if you've tried it a couple times and you've yeah. seen something. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that there's, I'm sure some people are listening to me right now saying, yeah, no, duh. Like they haven't played a game. Of course, you're going to be confident. You feel good about yourself in the off season when you haven't had, you know, the opportunity to get punched in the mouth a little bit. But I I do, I do think that those changes will lead to more success for Penn state uh, as a whole this season. And I think linebacker is one of those positions where one, that matters. Yeah. Two, I, I don't know how much they're going to have three linebackers on the field. Right. right. So you kind of need two guys there yeah. who are consistent. Um, or you need to feel, you, you just need to feel comfortable with the, the, the top end of who you have and the top end of who they have now. I, I think they feel reasonably comfortable with. Yeah. So, you kind of hit the nail on the head of what I was waffling back and forth with and why I I started out high. Then I thought about it and I thought about last year and Brandon Smith being in that position and Curtis Jacobs being a player who's playing for the first time, like a starter for the first time. And then I, you know, I got to that confidence of there, but the more I think about, and this is really Curtis Jacobs. First off, I think these two outside backers from the Will and the Sam with Brandon Smith and Curtis Jacobs have superstar potential and being in the right spot, you can get better production out of Brandon Smith. What I saw from Curtis Jacobs, again, in scrimmages, in limited uh, things last year uh, on the field, predatory movement skills, like a confident, attacking, dangerous football player that can make plays at every level of the field. That is what I think his his ceiling is. And I'm going off of just literally a feeling of watching him play. He reminds me of great football players, the way he yeah. conducts himself. So I'm banking on the high end here is why where I ended up where I did of trusting my instinct of looking at that. But you're right. there. What we saw last year, you can't completely ignore it. And, and the, the situation at that middle linebacker position, at the Mike linebacker, it really kind of gives you pause. But if you can just get steady, if you can just get steady from there, I think it, it's, it's a position that has a very specific skill and a very specific role on the defense. And if you can get that from them and let everyone else go to work around it, I, I, it's one that you can easily expose, but I think that you can hide with good talent. And that's where I, I, I understand why you landed where you did because I was going back and forth like a yo-yo with this position all of yesterday. Jan Johnson had a very successful Penn State football career. Yep. And was beloved 
yep. w- within the Penn State football program. That's not taking anything away from him as a football player to acknowledge, like, he's not the most athletic guy in the world. Uh, right. He, 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 he was a walk-on, right, who wrestled. <laughs> like, uh, but you know where you're supposed to be and when you're supposed to be there. Yep. Because this defense and and if you and if you're a guy who can make the play when presented with that opportunity, Penn State as a defense will funnel the tackles to you. Mm-hmm. Right? Like that's how the defense works. Yeah. Uh right? So uh you know, if if Penn State has that in Ellis Brooks and or Lucetta, right? And or Tyler Elston. Yep. That's right. Yep. Like, you can see it right now, right? Like I was, I saw pictures of him from preseason photo day a couple of days ago. And I've, I've seen him. I don't practice a couple of times. Like that's a name that you're going to know before the end of his career. He's a guy who people are going to be talking about Elston, Elston, Elston. That's it's just, it's the writing is on the wall, that that is where he is going. I don't know if he's ready for that this season or if Penn state necessarily has the need for that. This I mean, he might make it impossible to ignore, right? I'm yep. not sure, but that's, that's just what Penn state is going to have to figure out this preseason. And then once you get into the season and, and, you know, and kind of go from there, but yeah, there, there are options. It's just a matter of who is going to be the most consistent there, uh, you know, and take it, take advantage of that opportunity. Yeah. And, and, I've I've been a fan of Elzin's potential again going to that upside for a bit now, uh, and yeah. and the fact that he's another guy that flashed to me a little bit in preseason, but without, without really seeing even live stuff during tra- training camp, you don't know where that's gone, and if if he is able to be a part of that conversation, as you pointed out, a name you need to keep in the back of your mind is Tyler Elzin at least for. At some point this season, because I I do think he's going to see the field at some point, even if it's in a Villanova or if it's in a Ball State sort of game. Uh, Let's take a quick break here and let's talk about more things you need to know, like the fact that the latest edition of the Blue White Illustrated magazine is out right now. It is around town wherever you get your magazines at newsstands. Uh, He's got one right there. We got a picture of the cover up. Uh, It's all there for you. This is our training camp preview it's got exclusive interviews it's got some deep insights and of course it's got some recruiting stuff after a wild july with all kinds of information on some of penn state's best prospects in a class that was ranked number one in the nation for at least three weeks before notre dame got another recruit and then you know how points and systems and math work but uh, a very good recruiting class for penn state football very good and and honestly Somebody wrote a tremendous cover story about Sean Clifford. I, I don't know. Who. My, <laughs> I was flipping through it. I was, I was the most insight, just deep. I was transported analysis. I yeah. was transported to an early dewy morning on the golf course. And oh, I, wow. I felt the words and I felt the early morning sun that yeah, one Nate Bauer was describing. So if you want that uh, beautiful prose, you can pick that up wherever you get your uh, wherever you get your magazines around town in State College or bluewhiteonline.com. Uh, and you can make sure you can go to bwi.rivals.com backslash subscribe so you get a daily dose of his beautiful writing. That is Nate Bauer, Blue White yeah. Illustrated Senior Editor. You and I know that football fans are here for the pros. <laughs> 
Well, I, I don't think that they're here for the poetry. I don't think they want you to write in sonnets, but uh, I appreciate a good transportation to a different time and place. I, I like to feel it. You really get a sense of it. Yeah, I'm taking you to the English countryside next. That's... <laughs> what period? Are we going 1800s? Are we going medieval? Absolutely. Are we... okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. The onset, the earliest stages of what football would eventually become. <laughs> the Gaelic games. Oh, wonderful. That that speaks to my uh that speaks to my heritage. Let's You're gonna uh... have to cut all of this. <laughs> <laughs> this is the good stuff. This is the good stuff. Let's let's move on to some good stuff uh at a different position. And I think one that for Penn State football fans We've talked a lot about the corners. So what? how confident are you that we're going to see what we've heard from Penn State football about its cornerback position? Um, that's a great question. I'm pretty confident. Pretty confident, right? I have 78. You have 81. Uh, 78 is just shy of all Big Ten. I, I mean, I think they'll – I think Tariq Castro-Fields has a very – good opportunity if he stays healthy to be that player yeah. uh i think i think that joey porter jr has a very good opportunity to be that player i think maybe kalen king has an opportunity to be that player right yeah uh, it's been a couple like, weeks like, since we mentioned his name it's good that you worked him in because yeah we haven't heard or talked much about kalen king but he was the story of the early part of this year for penn state football i i think that we're going to be talking about him quite a bit in a couple of yeah. In a couple of weeks, honestly, uh, to the point that we might be surprised by who's not on the field sometimes, right? Like, I mean, yeah. you, you, there's just it's it's kind of that age old question of players who have established themselves and have played well, and you think to yourself, "Hey, they have to be on the field." Yeah, they do have to be on the field, but sometimes the freshmen. Is just so good. It's rare, but they're just so good that you can't keep them off the field. And so yeah. you, you've got to find an opportunity for them uh, to, to be out there and to make plays. So, yeah, so, I mean, I think I, 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 I'm just going to say, like, I think that that King's playmaking ability, they just the way that I see Penn State defensively operating, the things that they put priorities on. Is that it's not. Yes, you want to keep everything in front of you. You like they've been begging for game-changing plays. Yep. For the last two or three years, yep. and haven't had it. They haven't had it. Yeah. Uh, in some in some respects, and so if you have a piece like this that you can plug in and has a knack for making those types of plays, yeah, man, you know, I, I think that that's going to be too tempting for them to. Uh, for them to keep off the field. Nate is saying that there's definitely a great chance that one of these guys is going to be an all big 10 player. I think it's a lock because they have four really good players. Guy you didn't mention is Johnny Dixon. I think is, is super talented, but when you talk about the instinct part, that's something I, I talked about on a previous edition of the BWI daily edition of where it is and where it comes from. So if you want to check that out, that was a really interesting insight because I asked the guys directly, Coach Poindexter, uh, we asked Jaquan Brisker, Jair Brown, what are instincts and where do they come from? Because you're right, it's something that Penn State has needed, and it seems like they're bringing that guy in with Kalen King into this unit. Um, with that depth, 
do you see, and we'll get to the slot in a little bit, we're just talking about the boundary corner, do you see the guys being on the field enough to get to that All-Big Ten level? Because you've got four guys that can go in and possibly be interchangeable. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's a great question. I Look, uh, and, and this is uh, probably the wrong time to, to bring this up and won't make anybody happen, but you always lose players. True. <laughs> you're you're yep. not going to have everybody. Everybody that we think is going to be available right now in the preseason, you're looking at 120-man roster. They're not all going to be there. That's just that's just one of the realities. Yeah. Is yep. injuries, what have you, uh, you know, it just it never stays that way. So at, to the point that last year Brent Pry brought up the fact that uh, at, at one game, I think it was Rutgers, they were playing with two and a half corners. I know we talked about this before, but, you, you know, they don't have – it doesn't always stay that way. So, yes, can somebody do that and and be on the field enough to have an all-Big Ten season out of that corner group? Yeah, not only that, but there's no – there's no, just because you have really talented depth doesn't mean that you can't have a starter who is – very clearly separated himself right yeah and that's and and again like that's that's one of those things that you're not going to know it necessarily in the preseason but as the year goes right put it this way if nobody has separated themselves to the point where they have to play all four corners or five corners then i don't think that there will be an all big 10 right because because somebody will have not demonstrated and separated themselves to the point where they they get that kind of recognition yeah. and produce they're, that kind of play. They're playing to that level that they they demand the snaps, they demand the playing time, and you have to adjust accordingly. One guy that Correct. I think we we both agree will be that is Jaquan Brisker, and is poised yep. for uh, what I think is a potential All American season. Uh, my yep. confidence in that position is high. Where do you land at the safety position? Yeah, it uh, very high, very high. Because again. Uh, Brisker's move uh, to to strong and what I see as potential for that free spot, right. Uh, To the field. They, they just having the right characteristics out of Jair and Keaton Ellis gives you the potential for a center fielder who again, can keep everything in front of them and make plays, yeah. right? And those and those two guys seem to have that ability. Again, I'm harping on the turnovers, but it's a big deal. It's a yeah. big deal. It doesn't it doesn't mean that it frees you up to get burnt, right? All the time. I mean, if that's if they have to make a decision between guy a guy guy one can make a ton of plays but gets burnt all the time, guy two never gets burnt but doesn't make a ton of plays, they're going to take guy two. Yeah. Right? Yep. That's, that's and, how that's And lean work. on other players to then make those plays. It, you know, you do have to have that, as you said, strike that balance of make plays but not get beat deep. That is, uh, when it comes to the secondary, it is very much like the offensive line of if you've got one weak link, it can cause a lot of problems that, you know, nine guys are playing great. If two aren't on the defense, you can have a problem, especially if one of those guys is in the secondary. Do you think they're going to be able to get to that threshold with those guys at that position with Keaton Ellis, Jair Brown, possibly Tyler Rudolph of somebody who's going to give you that floor of just being a dependable part of the secondary to round out the talent at the other positions? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's both. I think it's I think the floor has risen, but I also think the ceiling has risen. The, yes. the ceiling is is completely changed in that Jaquan Brisker didn't want to be what he was being last season. He didn't want to be that, but he had to be based on where Lamont Wade needed to be on the field. So give give Jaquan Brisker. I mean, put it this way: you're not going to be surprised when Brandon Smith and Jaquan Brisker are around the ball constantly this yeah. season, right? Like that's, I expect to hear that quite a bit when they're in the press box calling out who made the tackle. I'm going to, I'm going to hear both of those names quite, quite a bit uh, this season. And so, yeah, I think the numbers are going to be there and for that other spot opposite Brisker, I think that if they can make the interception, if they can catch the ball when the opportunity comes, uh, that that's that's a potentially game-changing position group that Penn State has on the field this season. Yep, yep, I I agree. I think that's the consensus about that safety position, and and it just becomes that free safety position. Who wins this battle, and and what is it that becomes of that other position to either set the floor or the ceiling for the safety group as a whole? Let's move on to my favorite position to talk about, and that's the slot position. And I'm throwing yeah. just slot defender. You know, I don't say just cornerback. I don't say just it, whoever it is that lines up in the in the slot. The bodies they have to throw at that position. How confident are you in the slot defender position for Penn State? I think that they're gonna. I, I don't know what the. One, I don't know who it's going to be. Uh, Daquan Hardy seems to have a little bit of buzz right now um, yeah. to, to fulfill that role. But you could see Keaton Ellis there. You could see, uh, I, I don't know, Marquise Wilson there. <laughs> you could see yeah. you could see any number of players uh, fill that role. And because of that, the more options that you have, the more comfortable you can feel, again, that your top choice is going to be fairly reliable. And that to me is, is a huge piece of, of how that's going to come out is who who can you depend on there? Who, who is the guy that's going to make plays and and be consistent and make tackles? Um, You know? So yeah, I, I think that, I think that the, the fact that they have so much, so many bodies, right. And like, Good. Different types too. Different, dis- different, types. different. Yep. Right, but like you, you just you just have so much to work with there that I think it it's um, you know, it, this is stupid. I hate it already that I'm going to say this, but you know the Top Chef where you get three ingredients, whatever, right? Yeah. You got to make you got to make something out of Cheetos that you got in the vending machine. Yep. And a pig's tail. This, and a pig's tail. Yeah. This is not that. This is, this is a cupboard pantry refrigerator full of ingredients, all of which, uh, Brent Pry is going to be relied upon to be the chef and, you know, concoct something that is, uh, is palatable to, to the program and and fans. But I, I think that the options are there. 
I, I agree, and I, I consider in that, too, Curtis Jacobs. I know I'm kind of double-dipping with him at linebacker, but I consider him a part of that slot conversation. Can you yep. play base defense? And I think you can play base defense until you don't want to. When they were at their best in 2019, Cam Brown was a very good Sam linebacker who was dependable at multiple levels of the field. They need to find that again, and and I think that they're on the right track there. But even, even without that... Um, and with all due respect, I thought he was a very good underneath defender. I thought he's a very zone corner. I think he's going to have a chance to stick with the Pittsburgh Steelers. But when you put him in man coverage situations, Lamont Wade struggled to cover down the field. You have a, a variety of bodies that can do that now. And you don't have to put people in positions where their strengths aren't aligned with what they're being asked to do. So I agree. I think that in general, they've got the right mix of players in that position to execute whatever they want as long as... You know, the defensive line does not hang them all up to dry. That, I think, yeah, is right. the biggest question when it comes to the secondary is, are they going to be out there for six seconds on every play? Totally. Totally. Yeah, I mean, it, nothing to add. If, if if they don't get a pass rush, then that becomes problematic. Yeah. Uh, very problematic. And so, I mean, you know, look, it's, it's always, it's fun to, I'm, I'm looking at our, our spreadsheet here and I see these individual positions, right? And in my yep. mind, it's like individual players. James Franklin he says it for a reason. It's the ultimate team sport. None of these guys operate completely on an island. And yep. if the complementary pieces are not performing to the level that they need, then it inhibits the production and success of everyone else around them. And that's and that's a huge part, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball, of how they're going to perform this year. We're in the final week of training camp. Game week is next week with Penn State, Wisconsin. So stay here. We've got a bunch of great stuff on the BWI Daily Edition coming up this week as we get more insight in the final week of training camp. Some questions might be answered in the coming days. Make sure you yep. subscribe to YouTube and wherever you get your podcast so you get the information first. You get the in-depth analysis from myself, from Nate Bauer, from Dave Eckert, from Greg Pickle, as we're all live at training camp when we're given that access. We give all the information we get to you, but you've got to go, you've got to be there to get it. BWI.rivals.com backslash subscribe. And again, YouTube, Blue White Illustrated on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. Nate Bauer, senior editor here with me on the Daily Edition. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. Nate, thanks again. We'll be talking again soon, I believe. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I can't believe we're not going to talk about kicker, punter. I got that. I got that note from somebody. Manager. I <laughs> listen. I I only can go so far. I I only I only can go so far, and I'm just not gonna give you my confidence factor in the punter and the kicker. It's fine. How about that? It's Stay fine. <laughs> yeah, they're fine. They're we'll fine. talk to you again tomorrow on the BWI Daily Edition. <laughs>